Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study through the Bible. We're working our way through the New Testament, and uh, we've done pretty well. This is our 201st meeting, working through the New Testament. I did the math the other day. There's 55, after tonight, chapters left of the New Testament throughout the various books. So we've got a little better than a year, so we should be close at the end of next year to finish in the New Testament. Um, we've uh, spent this last period of time working through the letters Paul wrote. Remember when we started 201 weeks ago, uh, give or take a few weeks? Of course, all of you remember that clearly, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> that's a long time ago. Um, four years ago. My, how things have changed. Um, we started with the Gospels, and then we worked through um, Acts, and then... Uh, out of coming out of Acts, we, we started working on Paul's letters from the missionary journeys. We just wrapped up Paul's letters last week. And so um, what we're going to work on uh, now, moving forward, we're going to start with the book of Hebrews. Um, Hebrews is a fascinating letter. Um, it was written to Jewish Christians um, who, uh, at this point in their um, walk, they're struggling with their faith. Um, they've been persecuted horrendously. We've talked about the church being persecuted. They've been dealing with false teachers as well on top of that, and uh, it's just really caused them to struggle. It's just been a constant bombardment, and, and so they, it, it, they're in a very difficult spot in their walk. And, and uh, so the writer of Hebrews really takes this uh, whole book, this whole letter, to remind them of who Jesus is, and how he's fulfilled the promises and prophecies of the Old Testament. So uh, he, he's, the, the letter is, is constructed and written to people who are very familiar with the Old Testament. And, and so you kind of have to hold that in context as we read through this. Um, you know, Paul was writing letters to um, primarily Gentiles uh, who didn't have a big concept or any concept at all of the Old Testament scriptures. So he would write differently. Um, but now this letter is going to have a different... Um, context to it, because it's written to a different group of believers. Remember, you know, the, all the initial church was Jewish believers, and then it spread through Paul and the missionary journeys um, into the Gentile world. And so, they, um, so the, the Jewish believers in Christ had a, had a foundation in the Old Testament that the Gentile believers didn't have. And so it, it, you're going to see that there's, it's different in the way that it approaches things. And um, it's really, it talks, it's, it's constantly talking about how, in my, in my wordage, how awesome Jesus is, which we know, but it's good to read about. And like every chapter, it's really just focusing on how, how amazing Jesus is and, and how he's fulfilled the prophetic, so many of the prophecies of the Old Testament and uh, how that works in and, and what that looks like so that these people who are discouraged, we talk about that, will be encouraged and they won't give up. Um, remember, when, when the persecution hit the church, uh, it was intense. Um, you, know, uh, and, and not, you know, in a lot of places of the world, it's still crazy intense persecution. We, we don't even, you know, the, the, whatever persecution is that we face here is really nothing compared to the, um, the constant persecution of the church in parts of the world where, there, where people who, who love Jesus are killed offhandedly all the time uh, in horrendous ways and tortured and beaten and ridiculed and mocked. I mean, that still goes on. Um, it was widespread at this time, so it was difficult for the, the new church to, uh, for parts of it to hang on. And so they needed to be reminded 
and encouraged of who Jesus was and is and what he was doing. So we're not sure um, who the writer was. Um, the possibilities um, are, uh, these are among the people that are possibilities. We're not sure. It could have been Luke, um, but he didn't name himself like he did in his other letters. It could have been Barnabas um, uh, because of who he was. could have been Apollos. could have been Priscilla. Some people think she wrote it. Um, could have been Paul, but, but most, most likely. Most scholars don't believe it was Paul. What they do tend to agree on is that it was somebody who probably hung out with Paul who knew him very well and was, uh, had listened to Paul preach and had, had been brought up under Paul. But we don't know who wrote the letter. So it's out there, um, and it's one of those things we'll find out when we, when we go to heaven be with Jesus. If so, if you're really interested, have that as one of your top questions. Oh, by the way, I, don't, I think probably won't make you even, you know, you have the thought that when you get there, you're going to be like, and, and all those questions that you think you had aren't going to make any difference until maybe you've been there, you know, 10,000 years or so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is cool. By the way, who wrote Hebrews? <laughs> so um, let's dig in. We're just going to talk about it for a few minutes tonight, and, and then we'll... Uh, We'll pick it up next week. 14 verses in the first chapter. That's all there is. Hebrews chapter 1. I'll be reading out of the NIV. Uh, you can, it's in your notes. You can follow along. I think we already picked up the Pew Bibles because we're getting ready for that thing. So um, if you don't have your own Bible, but if you do, whatever, whatever translation you have is great. I'm, uh, like I said, reading out of the NIV. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And following, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand? until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all angels ministering spirits, spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And blessed be the word of the Lord. So, um, like I told you in the introduction, the writer of Hebrews is going to quote a lot of Old Testament stuff. And virtually everything in that first chapter was quoted from the Old Testament. And he's talking to a group of Jewish who would have known the Old Testament. He said, so it's like this, and it's like this, and it's like this. All these things that they'd heard and remembered, he's, he's telling how Jesus fulfills all those things and, and why they need to continue on in him. And um, 
parts of the false teachings that were going around at that time were um, uh, about angels and uh, that you needed to worship God through an angel and then there was a lot of weird teachings going on and so the writer of Hebrews is straightening that out right away that Jesus is is what it's all about who it's all about and he's fulfilled these prophecies and uh, and so we need to get our focus in our eyes on Jesus as I said the, the first chapter is primarily pointing out how awesome Jesus is so um, just to kind of summarize the first uh, 14 verses, um, it, it goes like this. So in the Old Testament, um, God spoke to his people in, in lots of different ways. Um, he spoke to Abraham and Moses personally. He spoke to Jacob in dreams. He spoke to Isaiah in visions as some examples. But um, what the writer of Hebrews says is that now he speaks to us in Christ, that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's revelation throughout the Old Testament. So that, that in Christ, all of the things that he was talking about and alluding to and that were, were, were coming um, forward are fulfilled in Christ. And so he, he speaks to us now in what he's done at the cross, at the, at the, at the, uh, at the birth, at, the, at the, you know, the incredible life of Jesus, the sinless life, his, his heading towards and going to the cross and, and dying there and defeating death, that, that in, in Jesus, God is revealing himself to us um, in, in all these things that he's doing in order to restore us into relationship with him. When we know Jesus, we have all we need to be saved from our sin, which is what's gotten us in trouble and separated us from God, and then to experience and live the full and abundant now and forever life that, uh, that he came to give us. And so... So that's the dynamic that he's, he's reminding everyone of, and Wilk, uh, the writer is, he or she, uh, the writer is, is pointing out that, uh, that these are all the things that are taking place that Jesus has done, and, um, and so we need to focus on him uh, in, in this life, because that's where life is found. Don't get distracted, don't listen to false teachings, don't be pulled away by the things that you used to do, let's get our focus on Jesus, let's remember what he's done, let's remember the life that's been made possible to us now and forever because of who he is. Um, all things, he goes on to say, were made in and through Christ. That, that Jesus is the complete expression of God in a human body. John chapter one, verse one through three. Most of you know these verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. It goes on in that same chapter, John one, verse 14. The word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So um, in, in the beginning was the word Jesus, and, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It, it alludes to the Trinity and the fact that Jesus has always been. Um, Jesus is not created. Jesus has always been with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit existing throughout time, beyond time, time uh, it makes it difficult for us to understand the comprehension. Every once in a the whole thing, every once in a while a, a child will come up to me and they'll, they're stuck in the time, which all of us, and but they're good because they ask questions. And they say, well, what was before God? Well, nothing was before God. Well, something had to be before because they're used to something being before. And I said, well, there was nothing before, nothing. There was, there was just always has been God. Um, and so I'm not very good at explaining it to kids. <laughs> Just believe me. Oh, that reminds me one time. <laughs> we had a school here for years, right? 14 years we had a school here. And uh, um, it, it was fun, but it was, it was you know, it was, it was interesting. And uh, 
I was helping teach one time in the first grade because um, we were trying to teach them math. And in the first grade, math, you teach them about coins, you know, what? and, and pennies and nickels and dimes. And I'll never forget having this thing because I had this kid. He was a smart, he could read really at an advanced level, but he was a little not so good with, with math, especially the coin thing. And so I was sitting there with him and, and uh, I, said, I said, well, here's a penny. How much is that? That's one. Okay. Here's another penny. How much is that? Two. All right. Okay. Now here's a nickel. It's worth five. I'm going to put that nickel over there with those two pennies. How many, how many is that? Three. No. <laughs> no. That's, that's two pennies and a nickel. That's one, one, and five. What's that? That's three. I said, no, it's not three. <laughs> that went on for like an hour. He never did learn it. I gave up. Um, so I'm way off track now. So the, um, the reality is that, that uh, everything has happened in Christ. Uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says the same thing. You can, you can look at this uh, later. He's the image, Jesus is, of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might have, uh, in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So you can have no clearer view of God than by looking at Christ. Um, he is greater, Jesus is, than any angel. He is superior to any created being. Jesus is our only absolute in a constantly changing world. When we put our hope and our faith and our trust in him, we're standing on the surest foundation in the universe. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about that hymn, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His, he, he is changeless. By that I mean his character never changes. He will always love us. He is always fair. He is full of mercy and grace. He will help us when we call and forgive us when we fall. He's Jesus, the name above all names, and there is no one like him, and, and there is no one who compares to him. And, and that's sort of the, the, the heart of Hebrews 1 as it's laid out. This whole thing is all about all that Jesus has done from, from, uh, from the time that, that he spoke all things into being and, and until he's come in human form, uh, fully God and fully man, in the, in the uh, amazing, miraculous way that he came, the birth, entering the world uh, in a way so that, I, I, you know, I'm fascinated how, when you think about all the ways that God could have entered the scene, um, that he chose to come through the birth canal, like we all did, it fascinates me. Uh, that's how he chose to came, come. And, uh, you know, because I, I think if I were God, uh, you know, I would have come more dramatically, don't you? Um, if you could, don't you think it would be cooler to come in like a big light show in heaven? <laughs> uh, you, you know, don't, you're God. I mean, you know, whirlwind. You could do all sorts of cool stuff, right? But he comes through the birth canal. Fascinates me. Um, I think he did it so, so that we wouldn't be afraid of him. I think we'd be afraid of him if he came the other way. I don't, wouldn't you? I you know, we, we fall down if angels show up. That's what it says in the Bible. I've talked about that. An angel shows up, everybody hits the dirt. 
Then he just, okay, don't be afraid. Get up. I need to talk to you. God, you know, if it was, so he came in a way that we could, that we could not be afraid of him. And, uh, and so he could experience, I mean, aren't you glad God experienced life? So, I mean, so he, he totally gets you. He totally relates to you. He never sinned, but he totally gets you. He gets temptation. He gets it. He gets the whole thing, the whole range, the, the emotion. He gets it. So, so he's not, you know, and, and, and then, and then he, he willingly went to the cross. He gave his life up willingly. Could have stopped that at any time, and he didn't. He knew what he needed to do. And so there, there was Jesus, fully God, fully man, demonstrating his love for us for all time on the cross and, and, and paying for the mess that we'd made by choosing the sin that we couldn't fix in our own strength, no matter how hard we tried. And he did that because he loved us and wanted to be in relationship with us. So he's, he's made it possible. And, and the writer of Hebrews is going to point that up over and over and over and over and over again throughout this book so that we get our focus and our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured this cross, scorning its shame. That's Hebrews chapter 12. It's like that virtually in every chapter. There's something about Jesus doing that for us. So that's the start of it. That's what we're going to be looking at in the weeks ahead. I think you'll really enjoy Hebrews. It's a great book. And uh, it's fascinating, and, and uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's uh, very enjoyable. So I encourage you to read it and study it and pray about it. And uh, we'll pick it up there next week. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you very, very much. Appreciate your time. We know how valuable it is. Come and visit us here on Big Pine if you get a chance, or just continue to watch wherever you're at. And uh, we'll see you soon.